and we'd had conversations over the years. We the first time I uh, suggested we separate was 2002. Mm. Then again in 2018, and then again in 2020. Black women are tired. In a world that constantly demands more from Black women, I am giving Black women permission to join me in actively opting out of societal expectations that are weighing us down. The Black Women Opt Out is more than just a podcast. It's a movement towards owning our freedom, reclaiming our time, and opting in to softer expectations for ourselves. Join me, Deandra Coleman, on this transformative journey as I explore insightful conversations, practical strategies, and inspiring stories that resonate with your soul. Welcome to the Black Woman Opt Out podcast, everybody. I'm Deandra Coleman, and today we have a woman who is sharing her opt out journey from marriage. Rhonda Gibson Willis is a licensed therapist and certified coach who specializes in helping women heal from divorce. With over 20 years of experience, she has a deep understanding of the emotional challenges and life transitions that come with the end of a marriage. Rhonda's approach is compassionate and empowering as she helps her clients navigate their journey towards healing and growth. Rhonda provides women with the tools and support they need to move forward with confidence and clarity. In addition to her professional expertise, Rhonda draws on her own personal experiences with divorce to connect with her clients on a deeper level. She is committed to helping women not just survive, but thrive after the end of a marriage. Please welcome Rhonda Gibson Willis. Welcome, Rhonda. I am so happy to have you here today. Um, I truly believe that your story is one of such courage and faith and um, just badassery. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's amazing. So I am going to let you tell it in your own words. But please, before we start, just introduce yourself to our audience and let them know who you are. Okay, so my name is Rhonda Gibson Willis. I am most recently known as an over 50 divorcee, <laughs> but prior to that, I'm a licensed therapist, a certified coach, and I help women through transitions of their lives. So whatever that looks like for them, whatever they're transitioning to get from one shift to the other. Mm-hmm. Transition is like the basis of this podcast, really, yeah. right? It's all about Black women having options and opting out of whatever is not serving them anymore. Um, And you chose to do that in a very big way. So please kind of just take us on your journey of being an after 50 divorcee. How did the, how did the inkling kind of start? What kind of emotions did you have to go through? Give us all the things. Yeah. Well, if I'm being honest, it started way before 50, right? My ex-husband and I uh, met when we were like 22 and then we started a family really quickly before we even got to really know each other. Um, We're married and together almost, we were together almost 28 years. Mm -hmm. I left two days before our 25th anniversary. 
Wow. And, and this was uh, 2020, so it was the year of COVID. Mm. And I think that during that time, we were all reckoning with, you know, our mortality and these existential questions of our lives. And I remember asking myself, do I want to do this for another 30 years? Yeah. And the answer was absolutely not. Yeah. And I knew that he didn't want to either. And yes. so uh, we made the decision to end our marriage, uh, to allow ourselves to have the opportunity to live our best lives. Mm. And that happened. <laughs> That's okay. That's a lot. Okay. So two days before your 25th anniversary, y'all were like, we're calling it quits. We're not even going to be celebrating this 25th milestone anniversary. You've known each other for so, 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 so long and have grown into different iterations of each other with each other. Right. Yep. So what, I'm so curious, like, what was your... I want to ask what was the what were the conversations, but we're more focused on our individual thought processes here, right? Like, what was your thought process in that you were like, I know I don't want to do this for another thirty years. What was it that you were missing? Yeah, well, you know, what's what's funny is um, I think we both have been missing a lot for so long, and we tried so long to be that missing and feel that missing in for each other. And it just wasn't working. Um, I think the reality was that we were incompatible in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways we were very compatible. We we had a pretty decent marriage relationship. People looked at us as quote unquote goals, you know, and um, it was really getting to the place of understanding that good enough was no longer good enough. And we'd had conversations over the years. We The first time I uh, suggested we separate, was 2002, mm. then again in 2018, and then again in 2020. And so 2002, his retort to me, right, his response was, I can't imagine waking up without seeing my kids every day. It had absolutely nothing to do with me. And I knew that. Mm. I knew that. And I still went, okay, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, in their relationship, I took a back seat. I said, he's a good dad. Yeah. Four kids together. Um, I didn't want to do this single mother thing because I seen my mother do it. It was hard. And so I just, you know, I just subjugated my own needs. And yeah. so what happened between then and 2018 is around 2015, I started experiencing anxiety and depression. And it was to the point that it got really, really dark. It was really, really bad for me. And I'm still showing up in the world. I'm still doing therapy with people. I'm still coaching the people. I'm still leading the people to their promised land. And then I'm falling apart inside. And he just did not have the capacity, right? He didn't have the capacity to be who I needed during that time. So 2018, when it started to really hit the fan and I went, I will not survive another depressive episode around this man. Not because he was doing a multitude of things wrong, just because he wasn't able to be there the way that I needed him to be there. And then I could I could talk more about how my hyper independence from the time I was a child led me to that. Right. I taught him. I taught him how to 
leave me to deal with my own. Yeah, it was a learned behavior. So you couldn't fault him. Yeah, I could and 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 I didn't have I didn't have the energy to try and teach him. No, and I tried, right? yeah. yeah. And he's looking at me like I have four heads when I'm saying I need you. Yeah. He doesn't right? know how to do that. Literally, he didn't know how. Yeah, he didn't he didn't have capacity. And I knew at that moment 2018 was really, really dark for me. Yeah. So 2018, I wanted to leave. And um I decided to stay. I was convicted, right? That I've been serving the world more than I served my home. Yeah. So I, I focused my energies inward. We went to therapy. We saw two different therapists. Uh, we did the work. And I think that the beauty of that was it allowed us to end amicably. Mm, yeah. So a week before my 50th birthday, I asked him rather casually, do you ever think we'd be better as friends? And without missing the beat, he folded his arms, looked at me and said, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I love that though, right? Like your story isn't this, you know, super sad. Like, all. I mean, I'm sure all of the emotions happened, right? Oh, yeah. The two oh, yeah. were on the same page. And that does, that often doesn't happen when yeah. there's a, a separation in, in a relationship in general, let alone a marriage, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that's a beautiful thing for you. And I'm so happy to hear that that was your experience. Um, but I'm sure that on some level there was self-doubt, right? Even leave. So if, if we took it all the way back to 2002, mm -hmm. right? And how you said, you, he said he couldn't imagine waking up and not seeing his kids. And so yeah. you suppressed your needs and said, all right, you know, maybe this isn't, maybe I'm doubting myself. Maybe this isn't really right. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and stay. And yeah. you stayed for damn near another 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and <had> another baby. <laughs> and so it was only three kids at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you added another baby to the mix on top. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you work through, and I want to, I'll, I'll come back to the anxiety and the depression in a second, but how did you work through the mental commentary of, I'm not trying to be out in these streets. I don't want to do that single mom thing. I see, saw my mom go through it, right? Because you, you, I'm assuming you thought you were trying to break that generational curse, right? Like mm -hmm. not being a single mom. How yeah. did you talk yourself into and out of those thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what made that a lot easier for me was at that time, my children were basically grown. My oldest was 27 <laughs> and my youngest was 17. Now, it, it wasn't very easy because uh, even a 17-year-old, obviously, she's in high school. It was her last year of high school. And um, she had experienced a lot of loss. Her, her beloved dance instructor, dance teacher died suddenly. Her grandmother had just died and then it's COVID. And so, you know, there were some feelings behind that, but um, I had conversations with each of my children again. They were grown women at this point. And we had conversations woman to woman. And I said, you know, I was, I, I never wanted to do that thing of, hey, did you think I was a good mom? I never wanted to do that because I think that's a bad place to put kids because 
I, I know I was the best mom I could be. I think I was a pretty good mom. And, and the proof is in the pudding. We have a really good relationship. But what I did own up to was not being a really good example of what it was that they could look at as how a woman should be loved. Mm. And so we had those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And they understood that what I did was something I need to do for me because I also packed up and moved across the country. (laughs) (laughs) I left, I left. And part of that was because I did not want to allow myself to fall back into the pattern of we've been here before. And if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I can relate to as I am packing up, sold my home and I'm moving out of state right now, um, you know, for kind of the same reasons. I'm like, I don't want to fall back into old habits anymore. I'm so over it and so done. So I can honor that and respect that, you know, in you. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize in staying in bad marriages, pretty good marriages, but not great marriages, right, is this example that they're setting for their children. They think that staying for the children and or getting married for the children, right, because we can talk about that, um, is going to be best for the kid. And the, the, the husband can be a fantastic father, but the way that a girl receives love from a father and sees love displayed from her father to her mother or to completely different thing. Yeah. Completely different. And so you're saying that while he was a great father to them, loved them to the hills, the way that you received love in that relationship was not indicative of how you the, the example you wanted to set for your children. Yeah. 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 Yep. That that's big, right? That that is um number one, it's big to kind of realize and admit and then to have that conversation with your daughters grown or not right it's it's a it's a real step to say listen i admit i was not the greatest example here and i want better for you right so that's huge um so you talked a little while ago about hitting this deep dark place mm-hmm. in your in your life in 2018 and I too can relate to that, um, which it was actually the catalyst for this podcast. Um, because earlier this year, I was in that deep, dark place and didn't know if I was going to make it out. Um, I haven't talked fully and publicly yet about everything that happened. That is, God told me I'm, I'm to write a book about that. So I'm trying to be obedient. So that's what that is, right? But You know, I can relate to being on the floor and not getting up for hours, right? And just being like, "Mm, maybe it's better if I'm not here. Like, what is my purpose? Why? What am I doing? I don't. I don't have no direction. I'm not understanding what's going on in my life, right? And so I thought that there were points where I thought I wasn't going to make it out, right? And it was going to be the ultimate opt out for me. And I'm sorry. Really, really, really terrifying. You have given me some food for thought in your perspective, because for me, it was, if something happens to me now, I am unmarried. It is me and the damn dog. 
who is going to know and, and, and know that I am here for days, right? Like that was a serious thought. But to hear you say you've had somebody physically there, but still he did not know how to care for you in those moments. And not just that he didn't know how to care for you, but it was a taught behavior. You taught him how not to care for you because of your hyper independence, right? So let's touch on that a little bit. As a black woman, and this, this notion of, of independence and how it can be a detriment to our real needs. Oh, absolutely. The majority of my clients are super successful, hyper-independent, high-achieving, six- and seven-figure women who have their hyper-independence as a trauma response, which is, is wonderful that you can be that successful, that you can achieve all these things. But then when it gets to the point where we reach these spots and these, these areas where we actually need somebody. We don't know how to ask and other people don't know how to support us. And so a large part of uh, what I see with a lot of us, particularly as black women, is we've been conditioned and rewarded for being hyper independent. And the veneer is starting to crack. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's starting to crack. Yeah, and it's it's already cracked on the inside, right? Oh, yeah. I call, I call it the mask of fulfillment. Oh, that yeah. was I was great at that. Oh my goodness, girl, what? Yeah. No way! Like, right, all day long. But on the inside, I mean, it, I was a freaking you know a hot ass mess. Like, but I, I was. Um, yeah. and nobody would anyone, right? <laughs> And nobody would ever, ever know. And with everyone, and that is that, you know, I want to say it's a blessing and a curse, right? For black women to not look like what we've been through, but to also not look like what we've been through, we don't get the support that we really need. Um, and then the, it, it, it uh, reinforces this strong black woman narrative. And we feel like we have to keep up with that, right? So then we don't ask for help because it's like, I'm the strong one. I'm the, you know, I'm the one that everybody comes to when something is wrong. So how do I tell, you know, every, everybody what is actually happening in my life and have them look at me differently? Yeah. yeah. Some of it is ego, though, too, for us. All of it is ego. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because, because it's tied to vulnerability. And again, so when you talk about opting out, that's something that I opted out of. If you follow me on any of my social media platforms, particularly particularly TikTok, mm -hmm. my TikTok blew up about my divorce, and yeah. then that's what people wanted to hear about. So I, yes, I talked about my goodness, and and that was not the thing I wanted to talk about. Right. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm doing passion, I'm doing purpose, I'm doing shifting, I'm doing this, and it the divorce was the thing. But um, what I opted out of, you know, I've always been pretty transparent. Mm -hmm. and vulnerable, you know, which are two different things. And people don't really recognize that you can be transparent without being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to really break myself from not being vulnerable and not being transparent and not being 
uh, hiding behind another degree because you know I don't know if you've seen that meme where it's like a black woman gets broken up. Oops, time to get another degree. I didn't want, I didn't want another degree. <laughs> I just wanted to be me. I wanted to heal. I wanted to allow myself to be to be um, taken care of if need be. I wanted to become a radical receiver because I'd always been a really great giver. And so in order to do that, right, in order to do that, I have to opt out of the strong black woman narrative that we have surrounded ours and, and, and re reconfigure that because it takes a lot of strength to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a whole lot. It takes more strength to ask for help than it does to not. And yeah. so I want to be that kind of strong. Yeah. I don't want to be the pseudo strong of the strong black woman because my mama did it and my mama's mama did it. No. Uh, my mother, my mother died at fifty six. Mm, no, and yeah, too many of us suffering in silence, and so I just I didn't want to do that anymore. I opted out of the suffering. Yeah, one of the things that I did when, uh, you know, I finally was at the point where I could not kind of hold in what was happening with me any longer. I withheld it from my parents who I am thankful that they are still here, right? And we are we are very close. Um, but I did not tell them what I was suffering through because even in my suffering, my thought process was they won't be able to handle it. Right? They're they're 70, yep. they're, at the, they're 70 years old, and I don't want to add any stress to their lives. Right. Because they won't be able, they will worry about me consistently. You know, it might mess up the, the anxiety and their worry about me might be detrimental for them. Like in the midst of my literal existential crisis, right? Nope. Like literal life crisis, mm -hmm. I was still concerned about being strong for them and keeping all of my weaknesses to myself because in my head, in some warped way, that meant I was being strong for yep. everybody else who I wasn't telling, right? Like who I didn't let yep. in. And who didn't, they didn't ask for that. <laughs> Not one bit. They didn't ask, but that's what we do, right? Because we don't want to burden others. And so um, a large part of why I show up is obviously as a licensed therapist, I'm not practicing as a therapist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but as a coach, one of my things is I'm an objective voice. You don't have to worry about me getting mad. You don't have to worry about me getting sad. You don't have to worry about me being offended. You don't have to worry that you say something, I'm going to think less of you. All the, of the things, you don't have to worry about being a burden. Those are the things that keep a lot of us from really sharing with the people who would absolutely want to know. Yes. And then again, yes. right? We have the capacity issue. Like, can they handle what I'm about to put on them? Not a lot of people can, particularly if you've been the strong one who has yeah. not taught other people how to support you. They don't know what to do. <laughs> so, so, so it's really important that, you know, we allow ourselves the opportunity to, to find objectivity, to, mm -hmm. to be really uh, intentional about what we share and with whom. Like mm -hmm. we can share different parts of our journey with the people yes. who are closer yes. to us, right? Yep. Without yep. sharing all of the things, giving them enough of a glimpse and letting them know I am being supported in this other way. 
and this is what I need from you. Yep. But what yeah. I find is most of us, this is such uncharted territory. We don't really know what we need. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Um, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I learned also. I can compartmentalize, right? Mm -hmm. I say, okay, I will tell this person just this much because, yep. you know, especially with, with family, you're like, I don't want people to be out the loop or to find out from somebody else or whatever. So I can share just this much, right? Yeah. But this person might not know the whole story or what have you, you know? So figuring out how to be transparent with different people is yeah. important. Um, yeah. I want to go back though, if you can define for us the difference between transparency and vulnerability. Okay. All right. Oh, so transparency is, um, I can tell you things about my life. I can give you an open book. I can tell you, so transparency, let me give you this example. I can say, I went to the dentist today and I was a little nervous. That's transparent. Okay. Vulnerability could be, I went to the dentist today, and while I was there, I had a full-blown panic attack. Vulnerability invites people, that, that, that's an area where people can start to, to really see you, right? You're exposing your full chest. Like, it's not like, oh, it was just a little scary. It was, you're allowing people to understand your feelings and what you were experiencing from the inside out, as opposed to just the rosy exterior. And so when you're vulnerable, that you're basically saying, here's my heart, here's my thoughts, here's my feelings, and offering it to the people. So, you know, it's one thing for me to say, yeah, I got divorced. Yeah, I got divorced and, you know, it was rough. But then vulnerability is when I show you the video of me crying that I didn't think I was going to start crying or the times I was sitting in my car crying about things and telling you. That's vulnerability, where you allow people to see kind of the weaker, and mm -hmm. I use it in both weaker side. Yeah, your innermost feelings and thoughts. Yeah, uh, and vulnerability, okay. vulnerability also looks like asking for help. Admitting that you need help. Transparency be admitting, like, yeah, you know, I can use some help, but vulnerability is really asking for it. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. So back to the 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 timeline, so to speak, right? So 50 years old and post 50, you are now divorced and living a different life. What yes. does that life look like for you now? And is it what you imagined it to be when you were going through the process of the divorce and knowing that there was something else that you wanted? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say I did not end up where I thought I would end up. <laughs> I, um, I did some traveling after we separated. Right. And then a week after we divorced, I moved to Texas. I moved to Houston. Never, I'd never been to Houston before. Um, uh, but I moved with my best friend and, um, life has just been really good. And I think the thing that I experience the most now is, you know, when the Bible talks about the peace that surpasses all understanding, mm -hmm. I have that level of peace. I have that level of peace. And I, I, I believe it's because I am so protective of my, my space. Um, 
I didn't have too many grand ideas of what being single was going to be like. I just knew that I needed, I needed to to not be in what I was in. So I didn't have these great ideas of, oh, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to date all these people. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to live all this life. I'm going to do all. I, that was not even on my agenda. My agenda was, I just want peace. And I got it. And I got it better than I ever thought I'd have it. <laughs> oh, so it's this idea of not really having these full-blown expectations. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's it's equivalent to what I say, like I, I talk a lot about just being instead yeah. of doing. Yes. I talk about being. What is the feeling that you want to sit in? Right. Yeah. Like talk what it feels like to be successful, not how you're going to be successful. Yes. Right. So yeah. the, the being just be and know what it is that you want to feel. And when those, those feelings come, you keep doing more of what's bringing those feelings, right? So for you, it was peace, right? And yeah. so, you, so you know when you are at peace, I'm going to keep doing these things that are bringing me peace because obviously it's working. And if and when the time comes when it doesn't, then it's time to shift and adjust, right? To find yeah. that feeling of peace again. And Absolutely. I think that, that is something that Black women, when when they think about opting out of something that's no longer serving them, right? They keep trying to do, figure out the how. How do I do this? How do I do that? And to some aspect, mm. yes, you need a game plan, right? Like you need to say, especially if you're trying to leave your corporate job, let's say, and you want to shift into either yeah. being a stay-at-home wife or shifting into a business owner. Yes, you need a game plan. You need a how there. You need to look at your money. Make sure that you're able to do it, right? Unless you're just ready to go cold turkey and you don't care, which some people will do, there's a game plan. But more importantly, yeah. it's this idea of, sis, I need to know how you want to feel. I need to know how you are going to feel when your nervous system calms itself down. Yes. And you're not living in anxiety anymore. When you're not putting yeah. yourself out of the depths of depression anymore, what does yeah. that equilibrium look or feel like for you, right? And then we can start mapping out how you're going to get to that feeling and be, right? Stop trying to do all the things. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, um, I'm a big guy girl. And um, but what happened is throughout this process, my faith grew exponentially. Um, because I found myself, I was like, okay, God, I can't, I, I can't figure this out. I was in these places. I didn't think I was going to make it through. And um, I remember <laughs> it was April, 2021, right? So this is right before five months after I had left. And um, I did this 21 day fast. When I tell you, I was, I was in a space of like, okay, God, what we doing? Passed out twice trying to fast because I was trying to do a Daniel fast. I really took it to the extreme. Passed out twice. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Lord, what we doing? Um, but really what happened, I, when I knew I needed to do, to do something more extreme for my breakthrough. And I was just like, God, I'm giving it all over to you. I'm giving it over to you. I'm trusting you. Because I was, I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified. 
I didn't know where I was going to be. I had this grand idea. Oh, I did have this idea. I had this grand idea that I was going to buy an RV or give me one of those Sprinter vans and I was going to do van life. Because I was like, I love driving. I love waking up next to beaches. I'll drive. I'll stay in an Airbnb. This was going to be my life. I was going to fly to different countries and just rent Airbnbs for a month at a time and then come back and then get in my Sprinter van and drive again. Child, I spent a week by myself and I went, oh, okay. God is reminding me. He didn't build me to be alone. Right. (laughs) He didn't didn't build me to be alone. And so even, even getting in this space of being 50, 51, 52, I'm now 53. And still learning myself in this process and giving myself the space to learn myself and go, you know what? You don't know yourself as well as you thought you knew yourself and certainly don't know this version of yourself. You've not, I've not been a single woman since I was 21. There we go. So being in this space of, of, of new discovery, I, I allowed myself a lot of grace. I gave myself grace. I increased my faith. I went, okay, God. And then I start praying those very dangerous prayers. Lord, if it's not for me, remove it. (laughs) And then stuff starts dropping off. You're like, wait, wait a minute. People people start, I was like, wait a minute. They want for me? (laughs) Oh my God. And then just realizing, right? being acutely aware that I am in the middle of answered prayers. Yes. Yes. And so, and so with that, right, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what doesn't work out, regardless of what I think should be one way and it's the other, I remain in an area of gratitude because I know that this is a prayer that I pray at some point that's come true. So yeah. that's what it's been like. So the yeah. peace, a large part of the peace has been um, being cognizant of that and just being grateful, just being so grateful for everything and how things have turned out. Pardon the interruption, as I hope you are enjoying this amazing episode of the Black Woman Opt-Out podcast. This is just a friendly reminder to grab your opt-out swag and represent the Black Woman Opt-Out movement for Black women everywhere. From hoodies to t-shirts, hats, and mugs, The Basics Collection of the Black Woman Opt-Out is available now at theblackwomanoptout.com. And please be sure to tag us when you post your amazing pics and our amazing swag. Now, back to the podcast. Having that deep down feeling that you've got to start letting go of something, right? Opting out of something, and which means opting into something else, right? That is a scary place to be for most of us. It's exhilarating and exciting, right? It has two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. There's a side that's very exhilarating and refreshing. And you're like, I can't wait for what's to come. And there's new things and all of this movement. But the other side is that it's, some of it can be bittersweet, right? There's fear. There's guilt oftentimes, right? That guilt of choosing yourself. And to have peace and no peace in these moments and listening to two women, there are two women right now who are telling you their blueprint, like yeah. it, it, the blueprint to how to make these shifts. And 
I get some of you may not be religious and if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. Like we're not forcing anything on you, but this is what's worked for us. Yeah. And um, it is a beautiful, beautiful place. And it is so, such a welcome feeling, so different from where I was when I was on the floor and did not see a way out. Ooh, child. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, when you think about it, this is how we we were originally created. We were created to lean on God and to trust God. And if we trust God, right, we do the faith, we do the works. We still have to show up. We still have to do the work. But we've been uh, conditioned to try and do put everything in our own hands, right, and work ourselves into it. And I see so many people, and I was one of them too, who try to out God God. Mm-hmm. We can't out God. Like, okay, God, I want this thing to happen in my life, so I'm going to do more of the same thing. And no, God's like, chill, just right. be, just be, turn it over, trust me. So I had a, I had a, a video when you were talking about it. I, I thought about this on my TikTok. And it was me. I was literally sitting in the car and let go, let God is what I was listening to. And I talked about how my life completely changed when I let go, when I let go of expectations. And still, you know, we're still human. So it's hard to kind of disconnect from outcomes sometimes. Right. But when we do that, we just show up in the way that we're supposed to and let God do his thing. Oh, he'll do his thing. But. If we go hold on and try to out God, God, he'd be like, okay, you think you got it? Right. I'm going to take it. Come see me when you're ready. Right. Right. (laughs) Leave it up to me. I would have been looking at an alley and a dumpster, right? Like, (laughs) right. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, I know, I know for me, and again, that's me as a therapist, right? As a therapist who had a therapist. Like, I believe, like, I had God and I had a therapist because I want to make sure I make that clear as well. We went to a therapist as a couple, but I also had a therapist as an individual because again, that was kind of my segue into allowing myself to be even more vulnerable because I knew I could lay whatever I wanted to lay on her. And it was a no judgment zone. It was uh, nothing more than being able to get all the things that were up here out of here. Um, So yeah, I had Jesus and a therapist. Yes. Yes. And you need both because I do too. I surely do have a therapist also. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So, so, so you found the peace, you know, you're on this side of the divorce. What words would you give to somebody who is where you were in 2002, 2018, 2020? So, I have to be very careful when I say these things because I've been accused of promoting divorce because I promote healing. So what I'll say is whatever you need to do to support your best life and your healing, get about the business of doing that because Mm -hmm. you do yourself no service and you do your children no service. You do your partner no service when you live a life where you are betraying yourself. You deserve it. You deserve peace. You deserve healing. You deserve hope. You deserve love. And whatever you need to do to to get to that, um, make yourself a priority. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Without feeling like you're being selfish. (laughs) 
Yes. Without the guilt, right? Like yeah. all of that. Yes. Yeah. So my my children and those those are obviously the people that I was most concerned about. They are fine. They're like you did you did what you need to do for you. You know because everything changed. We don't have the family home anymore. We live in different places. Everything changed, and they're just like you know I'm really proud of you for doing what you need to do for you. You deserve yeah. this. So yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, I thank you so much for sharing your story, <clears throat> being vulnerable, sharing your journey with us. I know that there are so many women out there who are ready to opt out of, you know, their marriage. But like you said, it's more about your healing than it is promoting divorce, because that's yes. not what it is. It's really and truly, if this is no longer serving you and you, there is no way to fix it, right, within yeah. the confines of your marriage, then you have to do what is right for you and not feel guilty about it or like you are doing something wrong. Um, so Rhonda, thank you so much. I truly appreciate you. My pleasure. Anytime, anytime. And I can't wait to see the pictures of this skyline child. <laughs> I will. I, you know, I haven't been posting much on social media. That was one of my, it was one of my opt outs. I was like, I'm over this. So <laughs> You, I you, something. <laughs> you, you don't find me otherwise, but I want to see this view because yeah. you know, look, at, look at God. You're not exactly. old enough. Look at God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. Right, everybody, that is another episode of the Black Woman Opt Out podcast. I am so thankful for you listening, tuning in. And I will chat with you all next time. Hey, Deandra Coleman here. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Black Woman Opt Out podcast. I want to encourage you or someone that you know to apply to be a guest if you are interested in sharing your opt out journey. We are always looking for Black women who are ready to amplify their voice and engage in meaningful dialogues that destigmatize opting out, promoting mental health, self-discovery, and challenging societal expectations. Contact us at theblackwomenoptout.com, scroll down to be a guest, and fill out the application there.